All right, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, everybody. It's Christopher. Welcome to Finding Japan episode. <laughs> Two things in life I know music and coffee beans. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans. I bring excitement to the music scene Like a heaping cup of a pure caffeine Cause I'm a coffee man I know about the coffee beans I'm saying that because I don't really know what episode number this is right now um, But this is an extra special episode Yes, yes, yes um, Why is that, Chris? Oh, see, there you go. With me today, I have the one, the only, Fred. Hey, Fred, how you doing today? Hey, Chris, I'm doing fantastic, fantabulous, excellent. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. This is great. <laughs> this is the coffee episode. We finally found the time to, to get together and make this work. How, how did we do that? You know, it's been a it's been a like four week process in the making. It uh, has between. Right? Between me being in the Eastern time zone and you being in the slightly less than Eastern time zone. <laughs> also known as Detroit time. Exactly. Detroit standard time. <laughs> I don't know if I've told any of the listeners this the story behind Detroit. Maybe you better explain it. Well, basically, the day before Chris... Chris has been doing this, oh, I'm going to move to Japan thing for a while now. And I've been like, yeah, whatever. Nobody just moves to Japan. That's 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 for goddamn ridiculous. Can I say for goddamn ridiculous on you your can, podcast? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. That's awesome. So so I'm like, that's for goddamn ridiculous. And, and about the day before, I think it was literally the day before he, he was to go on to this imaginary Japan excursion. And and mind you, the day after he, he proposed to the to the now infamous, I'm sure, lovely, uh, lovely Linda. He finally broke the news to me that I was right all this time, and he's actually going to Detroit now. Why in Detroit? I, I don't really know, but it might have something to do with you know it being a big auto place, and he's into like the auto insurance industry kind of deal. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's because Detroit is exactly like Japan. <laughs> You know, I really didn't know that until I started seeing all the photos. Uh, uh, it, it, it really has turned out to be a lot like Japan, at least based on what I can see through your photos. Yeah, they moved the shrines and the food and all the people into Detroit. It's incredible. Now, I've heard that there's a lot of Japanese people on like, the West Coast, but Detroit was someplace I never really expected to, uh, to find little Japan. It's there. It's there, and I'm here. <laughs> so Fred had accompanied me. What was it? Two years, almost two years ago. It'd be two years ago this November. Uh, yep. To the to the lovely country of Japan, and one of the most surprising aspects of Japan that I think we both pretty much shared is the coffee was somewhat magical in Japan. I, I, I think I actually had a coffee reawakening in Japan. 
that's really saying something. It really is. You know, I've, I've been a strong coffee goer, you know, pretty much my entire adulthood. Um, but, and, and I have enjoyed coffee all throughout the world, but Japan really takes the taco when it comes to some really good coffee pretty much everywhere you go. So, so let's do a quick recap here. What places do you remember that we went to? All right. Well, I, I remember the first place we went to is a Starbucks. Starbucks. Okay. And then I remember about a thousand coffee machines. The coffee vending machines, yes. Right. Uh, and I remember towards the end of the trip, we started hitting that one place that really captured the imagination of coffee lovers everywhere. Oh, yes, we will get to that place. That was, say it with pride. <laughs> detour. <laughs> D- D- Fred calls it detour. <laughs> detour in Detroit. Detour in Detroit. I don't. I don't even really know how to say the name of the place, but maybe we should. Maybe we should spell it for the audience. Yeah, definitely. It's D O U T O R. I think it's Dotor, Doter, Detour, Doter, Doter. I haven't figured it out yet. So basically, Detour. Detour. I, I tend to agree with you on Detour, but only from a, a visual point of view because the logo is black and yellow. <laughs> All right, so so let's run through uh, Starbucks first. I think the, one of the very first days we were there, we were in Shinjuku, and the place we were staying at was the Hotel Listel. And I remember very specifically, we walked maybe eight or nine blocks, and the, the first thing we saw, like a beacon in the night was Starbucks. And, you know, my, my general impression of Starbucks in Japan, though I, I have to be honest, I haven't been to one since I've, I've actually been in Japan. I'm sorry, Detroit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my, my general impression of Starbucks in Japan is that it's not, not entirely different than uh, Starbucks in the U.S. No, in fact, Starbucks everywhere I've ever been where there was a Starbucks is pretty much exactly the same. And, and it's kind of interesting why that is. It's because Starbucks does not franchise, so they actually own every single store in every single country everywhere. And they have the same training program and the same colors and the same logo and the same you know, design, just, just a sea of sameness everywhere, which... Mm. Which in one regard is good because because if you like their product and you like their environment, then you know you're going to get that same frothy, frosty, you know, whatever you prefer beverage everywhere in the same slightly comfortable, slightly too loud music sort of sort of way. Yeah, yeah, with the slightly overpriced uh, coffee accessories. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's certainly a feature of Starbucks that's not missing from the Starbucks in Japan. I think the only thing that they've done to Japanicize the Starbucks operation in Japan is to actually train the staff in traditional greeting methods and all that. Which adds a little bit of flair, I think. It's, it's not something that you expect when you walk into a Starbucks randomly, but, but you get it there. I have noticed, too, um, based on my current experiences, when you buy a coffee in Japan, they'll usually give you a tray with the cup and the saucer and the cream and the sugar right there, and then you take it back to your table. But the Starbucks in Japan is similar, if not exactly the same, as the Starbucks in the U.S., where you get your coffee and then you go to that station and actually fix your coffee the way you want it. Yeah, just just a little bit of Americanizing 
of, of the rest of the world. One one fast food restaurant at a time. Yeah, exactly. But we, we heard an interesting story while we were in Japan about what Starbucks did to uh, the coffee market in Japan. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I remember that coming from a gentleman by the name of Terrence. Terrence. And I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast are familiar with, with Kobe Beef. I talk about his show a lot. So we didn't really get to um, what Starbucks actually did in Japan. I mean, Starbucks, in its introduction in the Japanese market, had a profound effect on coffee prices in Japan. Is that right? So that's what we hear. Apparently, coffee was so much as you know, 500 to 600 yen for a regular cup of coffee in Japan. Yeah, it was an expensive commodity. It wasn't. It, it was almost sort of like a treat that uh, people didn't didn't normally have. So then Starbucks pulls in and and starts pricing their coffee the regular old price, since since they they have pretty much fixed costs for coffee all around the world. And everybody else, in order to, to sell any coffee at all, had to pull their prices down to, to match. So it's down to, what, a couple bucks, maybe 200 yen, 250? Uh, it depends on the type. And I, I think we'll, we'll start comparing some of those prices. But yeah, overall, I mean, anywhere between 100 yen to 400 yen, which is approximately anywhere between 80 cents to 350. I'm sure if you buy a large Starbucks, it, you know, it starts getting up there much like in the U.S., Right, right, but it's not it's not ridiculously more than in the U.S. Right. In fact, I think it's cheaper because of the exchange rate. Yeah, it actually would be cheaper, wouldn't it? Because out here, I'm 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 coming to you live, or or I'm live at the moment, but but not when you're listening to this. But anyway, live from uh, from Times Square, New York, and uh, you know if there's a Starbucks right across the street, the regular coffee is a dollar seventy for a small, which is which is probably more than it is in Japan at a Starbucks. You know, I'm going to go check out the prices and insert audio here. <laughs> so right now, you get the audio. Here we go. Starbucks coffee starts at around 280 yen for a small. However, the small coffee size is much smaller than its counterpart in the U.S. Okay, that was great. <laughs> yes, that was excellent. But yeah, so overall, let's let's rate Starbucks on a scale of, of one to five. I, I give it about a, I, you know, I got to give it a three because it's nothing mm. to write home about. It, it's Starbucks. It's consistent. It's okay. It's, it's Starbucks. Here's the one thing, though. I want to talk about something unique in Starbucks in Japan. Okay. So instead of little sugar packets like you get everywhere else in the world, they have this little, these little, they're like little, you know, the little coffee creamers that come in these little plastic things with the paper top kind of thing with a little foil paper top. Yes. Instead of actually putting little sugar and you put these little sugar gooey things, and they have the regular sugar too, but, but naturally when in Japan do like the Romans or whatever and uh, so you put this stuff in your coffee and it's actually so much better than like regular coffee and sugar in the United States hmm. do you usually put sugar in your coffee is that like are you basing this from a sugar in coffee mode in the US I am actually I, I have a high degree of, of changing upness with my coffee so many times I put sugar in many times I, I don't put any sugar in mm. 
Um, you know, I, I, I like to I like to mix it up. Depends on my mood. Depends on you know, I don't know, whatever. See, that's a and, difficult uh, thing for me to comment on. Um, so I'm glad you're here because I, I I think maybe three years ago completely took sugar out of the routine when it came, when it comes to coffee. So when it comes to to espresso drinks, latte, for example, which is which is my personal favorite espresso drink of all time. Uh, which I'm enjoying right now, as a matter of fact, from Starbucks. I uh, I, I got to do sugar in the latte. I, I, I many times do not do sugar in in the regular coffee, but in the latte it just doesn't doesn't feel right without it. Mm-hmm. And I remember for the first time I, I cracked open that that liquid sugar goo and I put it in the latte and it was it was a step above. It really was a step above what I was used to. Wow, so, I was very pleased and impressed. So not so much the coffee itself, but the coffee accessories and the coffee dressings that you found in Japan made the coffee taste that much better. It really did, you know, and it's and it's really weird because the coffee itself was exactly what they sell everywhere else in the world, right? But but this this sugar goo was was really something else. Hmm. I think overall one of the one of the great things about Starbucks is the fact that they were able to bring prices down in Japan to make some of the other areas of uh, coffee partaking uh, available to us when we were there at a reasonable price. So I, I just want to briefly give you my comments on uh, most burger coffee. Now, most burgers known for hamburgers primarily, but um, they do have pretty decent coffee there. And I've found that most stores that would otherwise sell or specialize in a particular type of product like most burger and hamburgers um, often sell coffee now too, and that coffee is of relatively equal value on par with Starbucks in terms of how delicious it is. Now, clearly, Starbucks has a you know stronger coffees, particular types of coffees, but when it comes to good coffee, it's not always having a fancy type of coffee, now, is it? No, and you know what? I think it's kind of interesting, even here in the U.S because of the, the resurgence of coffee that Starbucks has really pushed, and even Dunkin' Donuts has pushed as well. In the, uh, in the East Coast cities like Boston, where I, where I live, where Dunkin' Donuts is like, you know, every set of directions starts with a Dunkin' Donuts on the corner because there's so many of them everywhere. Right. So, so they're actually, you know, making coffee so popular that even McDonald's now has really good regular coffee. You know, I've noticed that in Japan, that is also the case. Uh, McDonald's just recently started promoting their coffee heavily in Japan, and in fact, here as well. I had um, yeah, so it must be a worldwide thing. And I had I had coupons for free coffee, but the the issue was, d- despite the fact that I'm in Detroit and can't get to Japan, the right. the, re- the real issue was you cannot buy the <laughs> you cannot use the coffee tickets before. Uh, 10.30 a.m. Oh, that's pretty harsh. So it's kind of a killer, yeah. So no one really goes to McDonald's for a single coffee, but at the same time, you know, no one really drinks coffee from McDonald's after 10.30 a.m. Right. Now, in South America, that would be a different thing because they would have coffee with lunch. Mm-hmm. I would have coffee with lunch, but but that's just my deal. The average person in, in South America might have it all the time, but in Japan or, or definitely here in the U.S., Detroit... Uh, that would be very strange. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans.
coffee beans I bring excitement to the music scene Like a heaping cup of a pure caffeine Cause I'm a coffee man I know about the coffee beans Hi Christopher and everybody in the Planning Japan audience Scott Lockman here from Tokyo Calling And hey, I think it's time for a cup of coffee I'm in Minami Azabu. The name of this shop is Ale Francais. And I'm going in. this place for me is the accordion music in the background really quite nice I uh, have come to the shop over the last two years when I had morning classes at the university here in Minami Azabu uh, three or four times a week and uh, they have very nice croissants in the morning as well as other pastries and a good strong cup of French roast coffee so that's Ale uh, France and uh, thank you to Chris for putting together this coffee shop episode from Tokyo Everybody, happy coffee drinking. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans. I'm a coffee man. I know all about the coffee beans. Coffee in the morning can be ecstasy. Like my sweet, sweet woman laying down next to me. Cause I'm a, I'm a coffee man. I know about the coffee beans. Okay, so we covered Starbucks coffee. We covered, I guess, I guess we'll get to some more uh, restaurant store type coffee as we sort of reminisce about some of the places we visited. But I want to turn our attention uh, towards vending machine coffee. I think it's the next logical step in, in the coffee progression. Now, people who aren't familiar with Japan may not realize that Japan has literally vending machines littered all over the place. You, you can be next to a car parking lot, and at the entrance of the car parking lot, there will be... There will be a coffee machine, or a coffee vending machine. Yes, a coffee vending machine, or a vending machine that contains at least three or four different types of coffee. 
Now, there's, there's one coffee type or one coffee manufacturer that's pretty prominent in Japan, and that's called Boss Coffee. And <laughs> I think what I find amazing about Boss Coffee is on their logo, it says, um, the boss since 1992. <laughs> well, he may be a relatively new boss, but he is definitely the boss. <laughs> He's the boss since 92, man. I started high school in 92. <laughs> no, 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were you were a sophomore. Now I I actually have a picture of vending machines that I'll put with the post here. So if, if, if the listener is listening now um, and you guys are interested, take a look at the show notes while you're listening, and you will see a picture of the actual vending machines. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show Fred the same thing right now. We're gonna go through. And we're gonna talk about maybe some of the ones that we've had here. Really, I think that, that we can pretty safely say we've had probably all of them. I think so. I remember the hundred percent black or whatever it is, coffee. Okay, so in this in this particular photo right now, we see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different types of actual coffees. This this particular machine didn't have any Boss coffee in it. I don't believe. Yeah, at least we don't see any. No. I think it's I think it's important to discuss the red versus blue labels. So the blue labels are all cold coffee, like iced coffee, and all the red labels are all hot coffee. So the actual cans themselves are, are, are hot and cold because the machine actually has like a hot compartment and a cold compartment to give you your hotter iced coffee as, as you please. If you, if you actually read the labels too, the, the top ones say, for those who are studying Japanese, they say tsumetai, which is... Um, the adjective used for any sort of cold drink, not cold weather, but, but a cold drink. And then the red labels are atakai. It actually means warm. It doesn't mean hot. But one of the things that's really interesting about these types of machines is that though they do have, uh, how, how to describe this, though they do have hot drinks, more often than not, the can is burning hot and the liquid inside <laughs> is just sort of semi-warm. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna mention that. So the can is actually a, like it feels like it's it's thick enough to be a steel can, and it just it's hot. It really is hot. It's very hard to hold in your hand. They need like a little Starbucks sleeve. There's a new type of coffee that I've been really digging. It's called uh, Big Black. Big Black. That that kind of reminds me of Bear Beer, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so regardless of anything else, from, from my personal perspective, based on my, my experience, I would say the boss is the boss of, of, of mach- ca- coffee vending machine canned coffee. So it's interesting, and this is kind of a side note, but uh, what's interesting is Starbucks recently has introduced the, uh, the cold, the chilled coffee can of of slightly milky, slightly sugary coffee in a can in their stores. So you can go into a Starbucks pretty much anywhere, or even like a grocery store, and get the same kind of can as you can get in Japan of, of coffee, and it's and it's meant to be chilled. They don't have a hot version right now. But you can go into Starbucks pretty much anywhere and grab a you know a Japanese-style can of, of cold coffee. The other thing we probably should mention, too, is that unless the coffee says like literally says black um most of these coffees including the ones in this picture here have cream and sugar in them already including 
these uh, wonder shot ones where you would think, uh, you know, it's like a shot of coffee, like straight up. Yeah, it's definitely true. It's more like a little espresso shot with the sugar built in. I think the only one in this picture that doesn't have cream in it is the 100% black. But in this one particularly, it's mostly Wonder coffee. It's like uh, it's like one vendor owns the machine, and so they have like two or three brands that they own, and then they sell all their own stuff in there. I noticed, though, in my neighborhood, there's a competition with the vending machines, and it's driving prices down, which is really good. I can get a 500-milliliter can of Mitsuya Cider, which is something like uh, Sprite, for 100 yen. So it's about 80 cents. For a liter, for half a liter, for a vending machine, that's not bad. The, the one thing I want to say about vending machine coffee cans is that I think the boss is the boss of of all of those, but in general, it's kind of horrible. Yeah, in, in my personal opinion, I have to agree. I don't think it's the type of coffee that you want to be drinking for drinking coffee's sake. I, I think the saving grace of vending machine coffee in Japan is purely its convenience. Yes. You know, sometimes you just need it either for caffeine purposes or for something to drink purposes or or just because you're in the land of vending machines and, and you can't help but, but put money into them like some magical hold they have over you. But but in general, it's kind of horrible. It's, it's really horrible to drink. For me, the primary reason why I drink vending machine coffee is to get rid of change that I have in my pocket. <laughs> And I think that's a perfectly valid reason. I think there have been plenty of times in the U.S., though, where I, I'm walking somewhere and I'm like, I could really use a coffee right now. And you know, a lot of places in the U.S., it's obviously not that common, but they have those vending machines where it kind of like brews the coffee right in front of you, mm-hmm. especially like truck stops and things like that. So those would be a little bit more interesting if they were everywhere. That's very true. I um, And there's I'm, actually... I'm oh, struggling sorry, go ahead. to think whether or not there is a similar type of, of deal in, in Japan. I, I know where I work, there is a machine that brews coffee for you instantly. And that, In fact, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of that and put it in here. And, and that's something that uh, when, when we had talked previously, we didn't really plan out, but I'm going to introduce that now um, since you bring it up. This particular machine has little packets And these packets are built so that there is a way for water to go in and for coffee to come out. And you basically stick your money in and you pull out a packet and you put the packet in the machine and close the machine and it brews, it it pressure brews the coffee through the packet into the cup. Now, it's a small amount of coffee. It's more, it it reminds me more of, say, like a European-style coffee, but it's pretty good for prefab instant type coffee it's, it's pretty impressive i wouldn't call it instant coffee like crystal coffee where you just add water um i think this is a separate kind of deal but this is only coffee this type of coffee i've only seen in my office i haven't seen it anywhere else i haven't seen a public vending machine like that i think that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about yeah it kind of sounds to me um kind of sounds to me a little bit different than what i'm talking about what, what you're talking about to me sounds like uh like the flavia machine there's this company in the u.s called flavia now their their name brings about so many strange images that uh, i don't even want to go there but let's just say that they're called flavia and they have these little foil packets and inside the foil packets is this little mini filter and and, it, and 
the the pressure of the of the hot water and hot air like like kind of inflates the packet mm-hmm. and 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 unfolds the filter at the bottom and then it pushes the water through all that and it's like a little like you say a little packet of of instantly brewed coffee it's a lot like a senseo right it is a lot like a senseo only instead of having like a, an exposed little pod the pod is like you know sort of shaped differently and it's enclosed in this little packet this foil packet that's sealed until you put it in the machine so, so you know they they would say that the freshness is held in yeah that, know, a little that, bit better that's what this machine is much like um the one that that i have in my office right now yeah that makes sense so that that should really cover the full breadth of of vending machine coffee i think automated machines that deliver coffee to you in a convenient way yeah <laughs> in convenient locations as well in convenient locations yes well maybe we should talk about the convenient locations for a minute because i think it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you can get you know there, there's nothing more than, than than you want on your way to work in new york on the subway in the morning than than some nice good coffee Mm-hmm. But you really can't get any because because you're not supposed to bring it into the subway, and if they see you with it, they'll start yelling at you. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, they actually have like vending machines right on the platform. That's true. That's true. You can get your coffee fix right on the platform. In fact, you can get your coffee fix practically right outside the monk's shrine <laughs> on the top of a mountain someplace. That's true. Along with your your liquor fix, if you need it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you can get your coffee fix practically, you know, anywhere that's anywhere at all in Japan. The, the other interesting thing, too, about coffee vending machines, and I think this really applies to vending machines in general in Japan, is you can drink the coffee, but unlike buying a coffee on the run in the U.S., in Japan, there's a convenient place to put your finished coffee can. Provided that you stay right next to the machine or find another machine, which generally is not very hard to do. See, that, that's been my tactic. Many people in Japan do not buy something and then walk and start drinking it. They will either put it in a bag and take it with them or they'll drink it there and finish it right there. But me being a Westerner, I, I haven't really changed my own behaviors to do that. So I find myself being that guy who's walking down the street drinking or eating something. But the simple fact that there are so many vending machines around, I, I really don't have a problem finding a place to put that empty can. So it's kind of an interesting tactic. Here, generally we consider all of the ground to be where to put your garbage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so pretty much anywhere there is, you know, land under your foot is probably probably the appropriate place for your empty can. One creative place for an empty coffee can that I've seen, though, is, in, is on a railing, that little spot between the railing and the wall where it fits just enough so the can won't fall down. I've seen it ah, yes. there, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a creative spot for it. Okay, so I think you're right. I think we've pretty much run the gamut of vending machine and automated coffee. Well, that's going to do it for the coffee episode here. I wanted to thank my good friend Fred for joining me in this episode, and I also wanted to thank Scott Lockman for that bit on Allée Francais. Thank you very much, Scott. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and please look forward to the second one, which should be coming up in the next few days. Keep it here. Bye.